So I wonder if you all will give me a little bit of time and space. Um, I really like to open up in prayer, and I promise to make um, this prayer as inclusive as I feel that I am, um, because I think that's important, and I want the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart to be acceptable in God's sight, and I want them to be God's words, too. So if you please, um, will go there with me. Creator, we come to you today just thankful, thankful, thankful to be in your presence, grateful for this fellowship, for this food, for this service, um, grateful to have opened our eyes today and taken breath that you have given us. We just ask that um, the words of my mouth and the meditations of my heart are acceptable in thy sight. We ask that the words that come from me are from truly you. We ask that each person here is blessed, their family is blessed, their friends are blessed, and that that ripples out all to the ends of the earth. We love you, we honor you, we need you. We love you, we love you, we love you. And we ask these things in all that is holy. Amen. So hey, y'all. I am really pleased to be here with Open Table and pleased to be amongst um, people that many faces I know and many faces I don't. So it's a good it feels good to be here today and to be talking about this. I am so pleased that folks are now, I don't think it's new, but I think it's a resurgence in, talk, resurgence in talking about the divine fem, feminine and the sacred feminine and ways in which we move and which God moves that is feminine. And I just, um, I'm glad to be talking about that. And I'm glad to be talking about that um, in the subversive way as well. I think that that is something that um, girls are taught to be nice, we're taught to be quiet, seen, not heard, and what does that do to us as we're activating ourselves um, in the image of God? Because um, we all are created that way. And so in speaking about that, um, I'd like to share first um, some things. And I then we're going to be working with one another at our tables as well of having some conversations about um, these thoughts that we have about the way women are supposed to be, the way women are supposed to be with ministry, um, these messages and ways that we've been socialized about that um, so that it's not only me talking, it's us talking and us being with one another. Um, as a restorative practices practitioner, that's really important to me that we're with one another. I'm not an expert on stuff. Um, I know some things, but I'm also aware that people know some things, too. And so how can we share that with one another, right, to um, leave here today with our minds percolating, right? Maybe our hearts changed a little bit. Maybe our thoughts, something that takes us out and that moves us forward in this world to make the changes that I think um, would be helpful in this world. Is that cool for you? So one of the first things that I would like for us to do, even before I do anything, is for um, everybody to choose a person at your table that you have not spoken to yet um, with some depth. Introduce yourself. Um, look them eye to eye. Try not to look at eyebrowses or eyebrowses, eyebrows <laughs> or noses or mouths, but really eye to eye and open your heart to the person. Tell them why you're here and tell them why this subject is of interest to you. And we'll take about a minute each and then we'll move forward. Can we do that? Thank you. Clap one time if you hear me. Clap two times if you hear me. That's my educator thing coming in. I'm sorry, y'all, but it's the, it's the easiest way for us to get us back. 
What did you learn about someone at your table who would like to share that out? Um, why someone was here or a name or any of that? I wish you all could have heard the buzz that I heard. Um, and it's one of the reasons why I really like to get us in the room first. Um, because I think that we have created a world in which we really don't communicate with each other all that much. We communicate for efficiency, um, for getting business done. We really don't take the time to look, to look at one another. We don't take the time to take in one another, to appreciate our similarities and our differences. And so this is good, right? And that buzz that happens lets me know how much we want it, how much we crave it, how much we need it. And that, to me, is flipping that thing on his head that te teaches us, oh, we're just talking about this and we're moving fast and we're moving fast and we're doing. That's an act of subversion. So who would like to share out? Yes, what's your name? My name is Regina. Okay. Um, I'm Can I talk to the person I spoke with. Okay. She had a wonderful uh, position just like I did. We are seeking those that have a spiritual understanding so we can exchange knowledge to grow and expand on the true love that God designed for us. Woo! I really kind of feel like I could drop the mic. <laughs> can we just go home on that? Nice! Woo! That gave me chills. Very good. Thank you. Thank you, Regina. Someone else? <laughs> Someone else? Remember, I was a teacher. I know how to pick on people. I don't want to. Thank you. I think even though many of us, as better female, uh -huh. uh, have what you, the word Anna used, rebel within us, mm -hmm. I think there's also the, the questions underneath that we've been conditioned with. Even though we speak up and speak out and we know that's mm -hmm. our true calling, there's always that voice underneath that's the should, yeah. the rules of shoulds, the Absolutely. hidden rules of shoulds. The socialization of what yes. a woman should do, what a woman should, be. Mm -hmm. yeah. should be, what we should look like, what we should sound like. I'm always very conscious of, I enjoy my presence and I enjoy entering a room and I have to quiet though, that thing that says, you're being too loud, you're being too out front, you're being too knowledgeable because we are so conditioned with that type of language. So what is your name again? Me? Uh-huh. Thank you, Julie, for that. Thank you. One last person. I would love for a male voice to be in the room. <laughs> Don't be shy. Yeah. Abby. Met Marilyn. Okay. And learned about her work as a life coach and that she works with women who are wanting to break out of their expectations and empower them for their, the, you know, for That's cool. to bear their voices. Mm -hmm. Is that right? Well, as a leadership coach, women who are being told to speak up, but then if they speak up too much, then mm -hmm. there's a bee. Yeah, so it's a very thin line. Yeah. yeah, nobody calls a man a bee for being powerful and leader-like leader, leader -like and, you know, expressing their vision and their thoughts, right? It is a very, it's, um, uh, it's very oxymoronic what we tell women when women um, move into leadership. And then we, I don't know what we want. We don't, I don't think we know what we want, right? And so um, thank you for that. That's cool. So I'll tell you a little bit about me, and then we'll, we'll delve in. So um, my name is Cecilia. I also go by Ananya, and sometimes I go by Cecilia Ananya. Ananya is a spiritual name that was given to me by one of my teachers. Um, it's a Hindu name, and it means 
um, she who is without borders, second to none. And so when I got that, I was like, whoa, I don't know if I can live up to that. Um, but I love it. It gives me something to strive for. Um, it is one of the things that I am most proud of about myself is that I really, I'm fluid culturally. I'm fluid in ways of, because I like to get to know people um, and because I want people to get to know me in a way that is not stereotypical, that is not simple, that is not um, what they think as opposed to what is. And so I grew up here in Kansas City. I grew up in Raytown and Lee Summit when Raytown and Lee Summit looks very different than it does today. So I always found myself looking for myself in the hallways. I find myself trying to say, hmm, how do I fit into this? Um, I came from very type A parents. They knew how to climb those ladders and they climbed them well. And so I felt like I had to be everything. And so I was the first a lot of things in my school system. And I didn't realize the kind of burden that that put on me um, to be whatever dominant culture said I was to be, right? Um, I was like a flying buttermilk. I was like a flying buttermilk. I, I mean, I was looking for my blackness in a lot of different places and trying to figure out what that looked like other than my family and more importantly, what it looked like for me um, in juxtaposition of what it meant to be the first black cheerleader. Only reason why I did that, because if y'all gonna go and recruit and illegally have some black boys playing ba basketball out here at Ray Town Lee Summit, you gonna show, see this, these brown legs. That was my first celebration. <laughs> it was like, you gonna let me jump? You gonna let me do whatever I wanna do, right? <laughs> so um, I realized that I have that thing in me that is very much pushes, I'm a boundary pusher. Um, I ask us, and I try to do it graciously, I try to build relationship. I have a coworker that's here. Don't I try to build relationship first, Justin? Yes. <laughs> um, and I am an agitator, right? And so um, I started that early. My father is from Montgomery, Alabama, and was very much, my grandmother was very much a part of um, the Montgomery bus, bus boycotts. She was a secretary at Hull Street Baptist Church. And so most of the flyers that were sent out to people, she and Rosa Parks and others hand, hand wrote. Um, and so I come from that. I come from people who um, don't feel like that they have a place. We feel like we create our places, which as a black person and as a black woman has put me in opposition of a lot of things in this world because people think I'm supposed to have a place. They think I'm supposed to sound a certain way. They think I'm supposed to get quiet when an eyebrow goes up or when a man starts speaking over me, a lot of that mansplaining and things like that that happens. And I, that's not how I was raised. And so. I found that um, my natural kind of way of being is as an unearther because I want to know the truth. And I've wanted to know the truth of what God wants for me more than anything. And I think that that has put me in the category of being a subversive. It's put me in the category sometimes of being um, the person that brings up things that we don't want to talk about. Like I'm always going to be talking about race, always. I'm always gonna be talking about sexism, always. I'm always gonna be talking about smashing the patriarchy, always, because these are things that affect my life daily. Daily. And they affect my life daily in ways that are different than I would imagine white women in this room's lives are affected daily by that. So we can see that and how that plays out all the time. Um, I work in the political arena now. We just came off of this election, and we are so glad we are done. Justin, are we not? Yes, we are. Um, but, you know, even across the board in ways very similarly um, to 2016, I find it's amazing to me 
that white women vote way differently than I vote. Way, way differently. Even right here in Missouri. And I don't care, you know, I vote around issues. Um, I tend to be left, but I, I do look at issues more than I look at parties in that way. But it was amazing to me to look at, um, in races for our senator, 98% of black women voted for in one way. And we had the same kind of numbers that we had in the election around um, President Trump. 57% of uh, white women in Missouri voted for Josh Hawley. Josh Hawley who says that women are responsible for being sexually trafficked. That says that the sexual revolution of the 1960s is our fault because how dare we want to do what we want to do with our bodies, right? And so all of these ways, I think, and all of these ways of being have helped to form me in a way that um, moves me more towards subversive. Uh, because my life depends on it. Differently than others, my life depends on it, right? So the title of this today that we're going to be talking about with one another is Talking to God, the Subversive <coughs> Feminine. Hashtag, listen to black women. Hashtag, reclaiming our space. Hashtag, reclaiming our time. Because we're showing up. And we're showing up to do this in ways, I think, to move us more towards a real democracy, a real blessed community. Okay? So... I don't even have to say this because guess what? Wendy already did that. Would you all like to read it again? Can you see it? Is it good? Um, it's basically saying that this is an interactive session that I will utilize my experience as an organizer, educator, and artivist to talk about the subversive feminine and to challenge the status quo, initiate change, and make a difference in the world. We will do that using art, music, poetry, sacred text, Bible, and showcasing how, as being a person who is God's daughter, I hope to move and be a part of moving our systems um, further away from oppression, control, and patriarchy. Okay? So, this is the definition of subversive. Can someone read that out there for me? Seeking or intended to subvert an established system or institution. That's the adjective, seeking or intending to subvert an established system or institution. Can someone read what it says uh, under noun? A subversive person. A subversive person, right? <laughs> so some of the synonyms I put up there, because I was an English teacher and I like all that shit. Sorry, God. <laughs> um, but um, I really do. I love words. Disruptive, troublemaking, inflammatory, insurrectionary, seditious, revolutionary, rebellious, rebel, renegade, dissident, subversive activities. The synonym for the adjective is, or for the noun, excuse me, is troublemaker, dissident, agitator, revolutionary, renegade, rebel. All those words that ooh, we are taught as women. You don't ever want to be called that. Do y'all know this book called um, Women Who Run With Wolves? <coughs> yeah. So I love this book. It's like one of my Bibles. And my father saw that book and he was like, ugh. Why would you even be reading something talking about running with wolves? I said, I kind of run with wolves, Dad. I don't know what to tell you. And we had discussion about that. But all these things that come about, right, um, that I think are very patriarchal, very dominant culture around 
Who is supposed to be the rebel? Who's supposed to be the renegade? Who's supposed to speak up for themselves? Who's supposed to be able to agitate? Dick Gregory says, we think we don't need an agitator. You guys know this quote? He says, just try washing some clothes and taking the agitator out of the washing machine and what you get is soggy, stinky, dirty, wet clothes. We all need a little shake, shake, shimmy, shimmy sometimes. Sometimes we need delicate cycle, you know, our silks and our linens. <laughs> sometimes we need boom, boom, right? So that. So I'd like for you to turn around at your table and talk about what feelings come up for you around, and this could be whole group, right? What feelings come up for you when you see the definition of subversive? And when you see that tied to the feminine. Because when we think about the feminine, y'all, what do we think about? Women. Women, what else? Submissive, Submissive. what else? Meek. Meek, what else? I didn't hear. Quiet, Quiet. soft, caretaker, caretaker. nurturing. Do any of those kind of hang out with those words? <laughs> right. Okay. So. Take a maybe, I'll time us about two minutes and have some discussion at your table about what comes up and be honest. Because I'm sure this has pulled up a lot of different things in some of um, my brothers in the room. And that's okay. That's what we're here for, to talk about that. And it's pulling up some stuff too, ladies, for us, if we get real honest about it, okay? So take some time to talk about that at your tables. Clap one time if you hear me. Clap two times if you hear me. Clap three times if you hear me. What came up at your tables? We're all subversive in here? What came up at our tables? Well, basically how we watch our people who raised us, how they treated women, like, you know, like how it ran back then versus how it runs now. Mm -hmm. Back then, my pops ran it. You know, whatever you said, it was a way my mom to chill back and let him do his thing. Mm -hmm. What's your name? Rico. Thank you, Rico. I wonder if it's all that different. Mm -hmm. I think it looks a little bit different, but I wonder if it's all that different. Mm -hmm. That voting thing that I was just talking about lets me know that mm -mm, it ain't all that different. It's different for some of us, but it's not different for all. But I get what you mean, right? We have, we've learned how to shade it differently, right? We've learned how to tone it maybe a little bit differently. But I think patriarchy is still strong. Whoa. Thank you, guys. <laughs> <laughs> that was like confirmation. <laughs> Who else has something that they like to share? Somebody over there. Yes, yes, Angela. Okay. Um, I was just thinking about how uh, subversive kind of implies planning and strategy. You know, it's not a reckless thing. And in some of the synonyms up there, like revolution and rebellion, those are all things that take strategic planning. And those are um, not qualities that we traditionally associate with women. Sure. Women are like emotional or um, like un not unreliable, but just kind of like more wishy-washy. And so like even talking about the subversive fem feminine is subversive. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thank you. Thanks, Angela. That's cool. So, Angela, um, I just recently had to do 
for a board that I'm on, we did the Gallup Strength Polls, mm -hmm. um, Strength Finder. My top seven strengths are strategy, and I got really upset when I saw that at first. I thought, I'm manipulative, what? I'm, because I'm strategic, I'm all these things. And the woman helped me to see that I'm a visionary, right? That I'm a dreamer. And I had taken probably things that I had been taught about what it means to be strategic and put it in a negative kind of way, um, as opposed to really being able to see myself clearly. And that's been really helpful, right? It's been really helpful in, as a person who I think really tries to unpack all of that, we are all on the journey of dismantling the things that we've been taught, right? We're all on that journey. So one of the next spaces I think what Angela talked about will lead us really real well right into our next slide. Who is that? I know it's a little bit different than you used to seeing them, but who is that? That was subversive and intentional too. <laughs> That's Adam and Eve, right? And what are the stories that we've talked about? So Eve is one of the first subversives. And what are the, that, that dang Eve, what are the things that we're taught about Eve? She was a temptress. You know, I think one of the reasons why men don't like to be henpecked goes all the way back to Eve. They don't like to be called that anyway, right? What else have we been taught about Eve? She is the result of the fall of man. Wow. What else have we been taught about Eve? Punishment of childbirth, all these different things, right? As opposed to perhaps that if Adam had risen to his true kingship and said, uh-uh, God told us not to eat that apple, so I don't know what the hell you doing, but I'm not going to do that, right? But it's easy for us to go into these stories of women as powerful, women as all these different things, and not powerful in a very transparent and open way, but in a very under, like hiding, strategic subversive. Women do things in the back corners of rooms. We get together and make decisions, right? And then we come out and sweetly tell our husbands what we'd like to happen. All of these ways in which we have created this myth around this apple. And I wonder how much that sticks with all of us. And I wonder how much that sticks with us as women. And how much we allow that to shape us, socialize us, mold us, and consequently either push us forward or hold us back. Right? So when I first started thinking about Eve in those types of ways, I realized it's not <coughs> a part of the thing that really grounds that, like pushes that myth forward in Eve too, is that aspect of her being able to control her husband. Her being able to control her husband sexually, probably, I'm assuming. That was the gift, right? All the different ways, and how all the different ways as patriarchy, we are told as women, we are not supposed to be powerful, even until this day. Kamala Harris asked um, Mr. Kavanaugh, um, do you know of any, any law that controls a man's body? We still have laws that control women's bodies. And we have no laws that control the male form. I think that probably goes back to this. 
Okay? So when we're looking at ways in which the subversive feminine shows up in modern culture, it's coming out in a lot of really interesting different ways, right? Because a part of subversive is taking a part that's the norm, taking the patriarchy, taking the power, taking the maleness, and flipping it. Utilizing those same things, things that we have been controlled by, like most of us that are over a certain age, we learn some stitching. <laughs> Younger folks, probably not as much. But we learn how to stitch, I know how to crochet, I know how to knit, I know how to sew, I know how to cook, I know how to do all that, because that's what women were taught to do. And we're taking those things and we're making art that is smashing the patriarchy. The future is female, reclaiming my time. Where it used to be little flowers or birds or landscapes, it's now stuff like this, which I think is really cool, right? Um, think about, even in, in modern film, things like Wonder Woman, how differently Wonder Woman of, what was that, 16, 17, look as opposed to the Wonder Woman of the 70s? She has some kick-ass thighs that actually can kick people. <laughs> the women that, you know, that when they were in that fighting scene, remember that fighting scene? They were actually had the musculature to them, right? I won't even take us to Wakanda, but you all know that. Has, there, has everyone seen? Has everyone seen Black Panther? Those women were warriors, right? And it's taking us back to that we can be nurturing, we can be soft, we can be quiet, we can be all of those things, and we can be that other thing too that is normally equated to maleness. That is subversive feminine. Taking all that stuff that we've been taught and turning it on its head and moving in a way that is powerful. What does that feel like, you guys, when, as we're even just, tell me some things that are popping around in your head and I really would like to hear from some men around that. Yes. I was actually, as you were talking about muscular terms, I was thinking of the picture of Sharice Davis mm -hmm. with her arm and yeah. her ability to just be kick-ass in general. Yes. Own it without yeah. apology and no need to. And by the way, I did just be straight white man. <laughs> yes, yes, yep. What else? Yeah. It's very challenging now. I'll kind of touch a little bit on what we were speaking on. I've been a very, like, the word I like it now but I'm a strategic thinking mindset that I've been that way from childhood. My dad used to always say he worked on trucks. My brother was allowed to work on cars. He would never teach me. And so I just took it on to my own. I went by riding a car, and every time it broke down, I refused to call him. I'd go home with busted knuckles, and they say, why did you call me? I said, I want to learn, so I can learn on my own. Yeah, I won't teach you. Growing through business, uh, a lot of my male partners, they did not always have the uh, analytical thinking process to see a logistical scheme. Mm -hmm. I would, as the secretary back then, this is 30 years ago, mm -hmm. but I would always... Good black, don't crack, girl. I would always give them the understanding that they needed. They would take it in private, but as soon as we go into the meeting, they would never acknowledge it. Mm -hmm. And so it became hard and it pushed rage and anger in my heart. Mm -hmm. Becoming a mother, I have five girls and one boy. Trying to teach my daughters how to go against the norm, don't always submit to what someone says, but stand aside. Mm -hmm. They aggressed me in a manner that hurt me the deepest, that it became a brokenness that I took on loneliness mm -hmm. to see 
other females, not just my daughters, but my sister-in-laws and others in the community telling me, you're going to cause trouble on yourself, people are going to deny you. I lived in Belize for 10 years. Mm -hmm. And it was true. The very thing I had fought against in America and claimed of independence, I just started my own business. I worked with clients that had understanding and they mm -hmm. wanted knowledge. But then to go to Belize, trying to deal with being a widow, raise my children, my subversiveness became an attack against me. Mm -hmm. People didn't want to hear it. They didn't mm -hmm. want that change. Uh, sex is a big power struggle that I found among women that I never really was in that position, but that was their power. Mm -hmm. And I didn't agree. Absolutely. So then I got attacked by females mm -hmm. telling me, Absolutely. Chuck up, you're causing trouble, your independence makes me think we should do it too. So I found men that appreciated my independence, my abilities, my skills, mm -hmm. then the females. So in America, it was the males against me, oh, you're too powerful, you jeopardized my position. And then to go into Belize, it was the women. Tell them you're taking away our comfort. They won't expect us to do more. They won't do it for us if they know we can do it. And so I'm now in the recovery. Then back a year, God has just established me in me. Mm -hmm. And I'm looking to find that peace and how we can help each other. Like as uh, Marilyn is teaching leadership, the person has to understand they're going into an obstacle. Absolutely. And I think we need to be clear. It's the same thing that um, when we talk about in anti racism efforts here with Open Table. Um, if we think that the only people that have been conditioned by oppression and supremacy are um, people of color in order to move in a certain way, or white folks in order to move in a certain way, we have all tasted the waters of that baptism. And so we all move in that way. The same thing happens when we are talking about things like the subversive feminine. Um, there are many women that have told me that I'm too aggressive, I'm too this, I'm too that, in juxtaposition to what they've been told about what I'm supposed to be, right? And so there comes a space of all of us having to do some real deep soul searching of truth in that. And what does that look like? And how does that move us forward? So I hear that and I, I wanna acknowledge that pain you're in too and realize that that is, it is a part of the dismantling. We have to remember that the architecture to, architecture to all the isms, racism, sexism, um, what else, genderism, all that I could do and I could do a thousand. There's an intentional building of that. So we have to do an intentional dismantling of those things within ourselves and within our systems and institutions. Okay. Um, this art is coming out a lot that is showing um, not only Peggy Sue, but Uniqua, Maria, and what's the Muslim name? Fatima, right, in these ways that is also pushing at feminism and white feminism, right, and saying that there are different ways to be woman. All of us are not going to have straight hair. My hair is straight right now for my show, but I'm a proud curly girl most days of my life, right? And so ways in which people are starting to show up as God made them and be okay with that. And realize that we can have the choices to do different things, but to realize that, you know, for all of us to be people that are believe something of the divine, whatever that is in this room, dang y'all, we act like God, you know, we'll say you know, in church, some people, God didn't make no mistakes. And then we get mad when there's something like, I get mad that I'm not, I don't know. I like being 5'9", but I wish I was 5'9", 125, but God didn't make any mistakes. So why am I wishing that? God was intentional about how we all are. That's a part of that subversive. 
flipping that thing on its head and saying yes, yes to it all. How do we move forward in that, right? So I want to talk about some people. I don't want to have that there yet. We're almost done, I promise. I want to talk about some people I think that have showed up. Um, first, I want to talk about people in the Bible that show up. You know, a lot of my feminist friends and a lot of my friends who don't believe in, they're agnostic or atheist. They, I, I'm a conundrum to them. They ask me, how can you be a Christian? How can you believe that stuff? There's no women in the Bible. There's no this, there's no that, which is really not true. There are a lot of women in the Bible. But I think, again, that what happens is that patriarchy teaches a certain thing even to ministers. <laughs> we're going to talk about this. You know, we're going to talk about a few of those women in the Bible. Mary. Of course, Mary, because she's the mother of Jesus. <laughs> but those other people who are subversive, Eve, or we're going to show a certain story about Eve, as opposed to maybe Eve wanted to be knowledgeable like God. And what's wrong with that? We say we want to be wise. That made Solomon king of the land. Solomon said, God, I want to be more like you. I want to be wise like you. Why was that a problem for Eve? Can I just touch a topic while you're on Eve? Because it's something that I talk with my children about. They always tried to say that Adam and Eve were cursed because they took of the apple. But it wasn't. If you really read the scripture, it's because they denied the presence of God and hid in shame they were punished. Yep. Not for the actual apple. We say God forgives, ultimately. Right? Um, Hagar. Hagar spoke directly to God. She was one of the first people who spoke directly to God. Did not shout cower in his presence. Right? Rebecca. You're going to bless my son. You're going to do that, God. Hannah. I'm going to tell you that I want a baby. Why you got me here? You gave this other woman, the other wife, all these children, and I don't got no children, and I'm doing what I'm supposed to do, God. I think God digs it. <laughs> I do. I was just sharing um, with Wendy that this has been a huge lesson year for me. Everything I prayed for, every, all my intentions, all my visions that I set forth, which I do in spring, I have received them all this year. It is, amen. And I received them all at one time, so I learned something about specificity. Like, okay, God, I really want that, but can we piece it out a little bit, right? But it did teach me a huge lesson. It's that God is listening. And it is God's great pleasure to answer our prayers. It is God's great pleasure for us to co-create with God. I think that's what makes us different from the other animals on the face of the earth. Y'all forgot we were animals. <laughs> right? So Hannah, Rebecca, Eve, who else demanded? Um, Syrophoenician woman. The Syrophoenician woman. You are going to talk to me. You're not going to treat me like a dog. Jesus called those people dogs. And she was like, oh, you're not getting ready to do it. The woman that grabbed Jesus is him. Him of his robe. You are going to acknowledge me and stop this dang on blood. 
right? When we talk to God, God listens. And I think women are taught that we have to go through all these other different kind of ways. Our prayers have to be pretty. They have to be nice. They have to be about other people. Right? So how I see that play out in modern culture, I call that, you all, you know, they never tell us about the women who wrestle with God in the Bible. Women wrestle with God, too. All those people I just acknowledged, they were wrestling with God. Listen, listen, I'm here. Acknowledge me. Ruth had the audacity to go and lay in Boaz's bed and say, come on, put a ring on it, <laughs> you know? That was the lineage of Jesus. Put a ring on it, I'm laying down at your feet. I'm your kin's person. I'm ready, you ready, let's go, right? You know, we forget about that in church. We act like those kids that want to do this stuff like that. Oh my God, they're awful. No, we've been doing it since the beginning of time, right? So how this plays out in modern culture, right? Brie Newsom, does anyone know who Brie Newsom is? Who does? I know you do, Angela, you want to tell them? Now you got me second-guessing myself. <laughs> <laughs> you know it's you know. She's the one who right? Yes. Oh. oh. Newsom is a woman who took down the Confederate flag in South Carolina, and when the police were putting the shackles on her arms, this is what she said. She said, Psalms 27, she said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? Not you. Not you. And I'm going to do it again if you put it back up. That's the way the subversive feminine looks like in modern culture, right? Alicia Garza, who founded with um, two other women, Black Lives Matter movement. How dare you keep killing our sons? Ella Baker talked about that 40 years ago. Until, the, until black boys' lives matter as much as white women's sons' lives matter? We've been talking about that for 50 years. Really, we've been talking about it for 400 years. <laughs> Right? That's the way this shows up. That's the way the subversive shows up. And it's sacred. It is a sacred, it is a personification of prayer. Our mere existence is a personification of prayer. Fannie Lou Hamer, use the power you got to change the powers that be. That is a prayer. And so these are the ways these things are showing up. We've seen it with our children in their prayer around gun violence. They have chosen to be subversive, to take that constitution and flip it on its head. You are going to listen to me. This is my First Amendment right. So I'd like for us to take, because I'm five minutes over, right? <laughs> I'd like for us to take some time at our tables and kind of wrap around this thinking of why are we afraid? Because I think a lot of us are. And I think even those who, of us who are not, I have moments where I, I am. And I think that's human. So why are we afraid of that God-given right to ask? demand to co-create a just society, to co-create a peaceful world, to co-create 
a spiritual world where everyone's life matters. Along those definition of subversion, along those synonyms, why is it so important for us in Western culture, American culture, to be nice? Smile pretty. And I really dig my smile, but the moment someone tells me to do that, I am shutting it down. <laughs> when someone tells me to do that. Because I know what that's really about. It's about control. You're a pretty girl, you'd be really pretty if you smile more. No one says that to a dude. <laughs> right? So why are we so interested in being liked, normed, accepted, middle of the road? All of those things that are antithetical to subversion. So let's have a little bit of conversation about that and conversation about the power of moving in ways in which our foremothers have moved to get our rightful, to be the rightful heirs to this blessed community that we can create. What interrupts that for us? Five minutes and then we're gonna end with the song. We'll be out here at 8.15. <laughs> Clap one time if you hear me. Clap two times if you hear me. What came up, you all? Notice I did not say you guys. <laughs> that is a subversive act of being gender inclusive. What came up? Yes. Hi, Allison. Um, so, I was like a bit uncomfortable this whole time with those words that came up at the beginning, and like, why am I so uncomfortable with that? But one word that kept going through my mind was inflammatory, and like, I don't want to be a part of something inflammatory, but so I'm thinking about the way that like, the body, when you, when you're, when you're, when you get injured, your body like has inflammation, but it's to heal, mm. and so just thinking of that word as a way it heals. Awesome, Allison. And you know what? I've come to realize as a black woman who is Afro-Latina, who identifies as an African-American, if I'm not inflammatory about some shit, it ain't going to change. Amen. I mean, I just have to get real about that. If I say, oh, yeah, it's okay. It's okay that we keep on going in that way. It's okay that I keep on drinking out of that water fountain. It's okay. I know it makes you feel better, but I feel bad, and I'm inflamed, and nobody's inflamed. Mm -hmm. Okay? Yeah. That's it. And a lot of that, around that, is, and we use spirituality, the Bible, patriarchy, Patriarchy is used in that with us a lot. Blessed are the peacemakers. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. It also says, have faith that size of a mustard seed, but faith without works is dead. Yeah. Right? So it's a balance of all of that. And it's not that I think that we should be inflammatory all the time, but I think it's sometimes we need to. Yeah. 
And I think women are taught to never be that way. Thank you for that. That was good. Thank you. Anyone else? Yes. Okay, so I have the opposite side. <laughs> we know. Table. Right now, <laughs> I love Monique. Everything. Like to be in front of story. Don't be afraid of anything. Do it all. And it's always got me in the trouble. And so as I'm getting older, I'm trying to be different. I'm trying to get along and not do all these things. Because, like I was telling them, the only time I'm afraid is if it affects someone else. So I've been to jail three times. And the last Ooh. time I went, the judge said, okay, you quit protesting, I'll give your daughter back. I said, okay, great. I think she was, what, 12 or 13. Then, this is a different one. Then uh, <laughs> I went back. When she turned 18, who was there protesting toward Michigan? Me, right? But I'm not afraid. Only if it affects others. And I was telling them, my mother ta- had a baby at 16. So she taught, she didn't teach me how to cook, clean, she told me, don't ever get married, have as much sex as I wanted, and that's not good to tell somebody. <laughs> that's not the way society is, right? So she'll come with my daughters, I'm like, no, my <laughs> So I have always never just, you know, I'm like, oh, you don't like what I'm loud, oh, too bad. You know, I'm just so now I have to, as Cecilia knows, I have to work on not fighting all the time, not always. Yeah, so and see, it's, it's got to be a balance. Yeah. So um, one, of the, one of my soul mates in this life, my grandmother, my mother's mother, I loved her deeply. And she loved me in the same way, and she didn't like a lot of people. <laughs> um, she didn't. Her name was Vashti. And... It made me want to study Vashti in the Bible. Like, we have all these things, right, and ways in which we look at stuff. <clears throat> I don't blame Vashti in the Bible. Because people like me and Monique need to know that there are some natural people like us that are going to say, no, I'm not coming to parade in front of you and your drunken friends. No, I am not. I am not your property. But if we only teach Esther, then we make it seem like Vashti is a problem. Because she was 2,000 years ago, but should she be a problem today? And so that balance of how do we have this and, that can exist in both, in all of us. We, and not only, how can that subversive feminine exist in the men in this room? Because it can, you know, in ways of parenting. How can we be better parents than our parents were taught to be? in those traditional kind of roles, right? And so it's finding that balance. It's not that I think that Esther is wrong, it's that I don't think Vashti is wrong either. I can see both. We're not taught to see both in those ways. And how patriarchic for them to take her children to stop her from protesting. I mean, that's... That's the part, that's how that patriarchy is used in a system, Mm -hmm. right? And remember the the definition was how do we flip systems and institutions? One more, and then I'm going to push this forward, I promise. Yes. You you were saying that, I'm Ryan, sorry. Hi, Ryan. Um, Good to meet you. Um, Ryan has been giving me much good love when I was speaking. He was like. (laughs) 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 Yay, Ryan. Uh, You were mentioning the idea of like how does uh, subversive femininity or feminine 
kind of how do how do how does that like embody in males as well? And we kind of mm-hmm. talked about this as a group how this kind of helps destroy that binary. Absolutely. So like like I can actually walk around and be like, hey, I I do look pretty when I smile. Mm-hmm. That's nice, right? I can be I can be delicate. Sure. I can be I don't have to be buff. Yep. Um, I don't know. This is empowering. Like it, I don't want to take away from the fact that it empowers. Um, anyone who identifies as female or feminine. Sure. But it also really empowers people who are oppressed by masculinity Absolutely. in general. Yeah, and it's like people growing up as male. Absolutely. You know? um, any of these toxic systems affect us all. Mm. Please don't think the toxic masculinity does not affect men. It does. Right. If it doesn't allow men to be their, their full selves, full feeling selves, the first time I was able to experience this is when I went to the African continent for the first time. And African men walk down the street holding hands as friends. And I remember the first time I thought, I was like, dumb. There are a lot of gay men in Africa. <laughs> and that's okay, but I was like, dude, I, what's happening? There's a lot of gay men in Africa. Not, I mean, I'm sure there are a lot of gay men in Africa. And I'm saying that that is not a thing. It's also like they express themselves in full embrace. Kiss their daughters, their sons. Every, I mean, we lost something when we got brought here. All of us lost something when we normed into being American. We are all tribe. We have lost something in that westernized way of well, I better talk like this and walk like this, and um, I shouldn't really have any feelings, and um, I should really push all that down. <laughs> I don't know. So, um, this is one of the subversives that I love. This is one of the first pieces I love. I learned as a thespian. And I'm going to do a piece of it. It's called Ain't I a Woman, and it's by Sojourner Truth. And Sojourner Truth, in 1851, delivered this speech in upstate New York in subversion to her not being seen as a woman. In subversion to the women's suffragist movement telling black women, you know, you really can't talk about this because... If you talk about it, then we're not going to be able to push forward because women are white. Oh, my gosh. Oh. Okay. It's true. Having um, Frederick Douglass go talk to black women and say, sit down because we got to push this abolitionist stuff through. And um, they don't consider you a woman, so you, you shouldn't be saying anything about this because, you know, womanhood is whiteness. And please don't get confused. We still think womanhood is whiteness. Have you looked at the news in the last three days and seen how our president has addressed black reporters that are women and called them stupid and over-talked them? I don't like Amarosa, but she don't need to be called a dog. She wasn't a dog a year ago when you was digging her. We still think that womanhood is whiteness. We still think that the epitome of white womanness is blonde hair, blue eyes, tall and slender. How many people are like that in this room? I don't see that many blonde, blue eyed white women in here. 
because it's a Nordic trait <laughs> and it's rare, <laughs> right? So how are we making everybody fit into that norm? That man over there said that women need to be helped into carriages and lifted over ditches and have the best place everywhere. Well, ain't nobody ever helped me into no carriage or over no mud puddles or gives me the best of any place. And ain't I a woman? Look at me. Look at my arm. I have plowed and planted and gathered into barns and no man could head me. And ain't I a woman? I could work as much and eat as much as a man when I could get it and bear the lash as well. And ain't I a woman? I have borne 13 children and seen most all of them sold off into slavery. And when I cried out with a mother's grief, none but Jesus heard me. And ain't I a woman? That's a subversive women's question. Ain't I a woman? The subversive feminine asked that. Can it look like a whole bunch of different ways? It asked that of, a, of our brothers too. Not only of women, of everyone. Last thing. I do this for my mother, you all. And I didn't understand it when she was still living. Um, and it took her passing for me to get it. This is one of the first pieces that she made me memorize when I was a kid. Um, my mother was an English teacher too. <laughs> so I did a lot of reading. And it was my gift and she was able to acknowledge it. Um, and I still do it when I speak with kids. It's called Phenomenal Woman by Maya Angelou. And I didn't recognize that she was calling on me to move forward in my spaces of power. And I'm so grateful for that. Pretty women wonder where my secret lies. Because <laughs> I'm not cute or built to suit a fashion model size. But when I start to tell them, they think I'm telling lies. I say it's in the reach of my arm, the span of my hips, the stride of my step and the curl of my lip. I'm a woman. Phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. I walk into a room just as cool as you please, and to the man the fellas stand or fall down on his knees, and then they swarm around me, a hive of honeybees. And I say, it's the fire in my eyes. It's the flash of my teeth. It's the swing in my waist. It's the joy in my feet. I'm a woman, phenomenally. Phenomenal woman, that's me. Men themselves have wondered what they see in me, they try so much, but they can't touch my inner mystery. And then when I try to show them, they say they still can't see. I say it's the arch of my back, the sun of my smile, the ride of my breasts, the grace of my style. I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman, that's me. Now you understand just why my head's not bowed. I don't shout or jump about or have to talk real loud. When you see me passing, it ought to make you proud. I say it's in the click of my heels, the bend of my hair, the palm of my hand, the need for my care. I'm a woman, phenomenally, phenomenal woman. That's me. So. <laughs> I love that piece because you know my Angelou is six feet at least. 
I think she's six feet, six one. And we as black women, we're told a lot about what is beauty and what is not. All of a sudden now, you know, people like a big butt. When I was a kid, they were like, oh, that butt is too big. It needs to be smaller. People like full lips now. That wasn't the thing when I was growing up. But we've normed those things, right? And so we have to carve out these spaces for ourselves and say, I can be all of those things. We can be all of those things. We should be all of those things. Thank you.